0: Yak Babies, sex, presidents, and sometimes books. Welcome to Yak Babies, the only podcast on the internet sponsored by Turbo Milk. It's utterly thrilling. My name is Aaron. Here my personal pals, Brick. Hello. And calling from Old Ireland, we have Old Irish Nico. Hello. Yes, hello indeed. It's April, and it's time to check in on what we're reading. It's been a while. It's been like a a month, maybe not more than that, so we've looked at what's on our reading stacks and so forth. I want to hear what you guys have been checking out lately uh nico we'll start with you what have you been reading
1: well goodreads is down right now so i'm a little <laughs> handicapped but luckily i did
0: so, so your answer is 404 server error whatever
1: which yeah. <laughs> <laughs> sucks when like i was putting all my notes in there but uh yeah but luckily i looked at it uh, a little bit earlier so far this year i've read 46 books damn that's a lot know. but that's i mean that's, that's awesome. a lot of novellas and right thriller audiobooks Accounts. and whatnot But also a couple of actually good books, like this one is called (laughs) "All the Light We Cannot See," the Pulitzer Prize winner by Anthony Doerr. Uh, Yeah, Dave's brother, right? Right from from another entire family. (laughs) From from,
2: (laughs) From a father who spells the (laughs) name slightly differently, but is a homophone. Yeah,
1: Yeah, it's pretty good. It's also he's the guy who wrote Cloud Cuckoo Land that I really liked. Mm -hmm. I really like his style, uh, which is like like straightforward. Like not trying to, you know, write a work of art, but trying to tell a story, and I like that um, these days for whatever reason. Yeah. And then a few of the other, let's say, five star books that I've read in the last little while. I read two of the books in the in this in this fantasy series called The Rook and Rose, and those The Mask and Mirror and The Liars' Knot, which are both really good audiobooks and pretty like different from most fantasy novels. Like it's a lot of kind of political maneuvering but it's kind of it's kind of like game of thrones but in a in one city kind of and there's a hmm. lot of backstabbing and whatnot that, those are really good eye of the needle by ken follett which is oh yeah kind of a famous spy novel and it's it's just it's during world war ii it is uh, this german spy has pictures that will basically win the war for germany and he's trying to get them to germany and so he tries to, like, send them through the Portuguese embassy, and they get intercepted. And then he has to go catch a U-boat off the coast of Scotland, and these two spy catchers are following him. So it's, like, the the entire novel is, like, one big, long chase scene, and hmm. he makes it, like, really uh, compelling. And also, since you know that Germany did not win World War Two, you know how it's going to end, and it's still, like, pretty surprising and, and entertaining. I knew there were a few. There were a few more. East of Eden. I read East of Eden. I finally oh. finished it, and that's another one. This guy, this guy, Anthony Doerr, actually reminds me a lot of Steinbeck. At least East of Eden, mm. Steinbeck. Like it's they have similar styles. I feel like, like East of Eden is very much. It, it's not a Faulkner style. It's not a dense style. It's it's a very simple. Like just here's what's happening, and you're not gonna have to spend a lot of time like figuring out. What he's trying to say, it's, like, pretty clear <laughs> the whole time.
0: Yeah, I was going to say, when you said that he reminds you of Steinbeck style, I was like, what is Steinbeck style? I feel like my sense of Steinbeck is, like, pretty straightforward. I mean, good, obviously, but, like, yeah. not a stylist, really.
1: Yeah, well, until he is. Like, he does, he does. like, he's just kind of telling you the story, and then occasionally he'll crack off, like, a really good line. But it's not, like, he's not doing that every line, which, which I like because I get right. fucking sick of it. Uh, Which actually uh, reminds me of another book that was not a five-star review called uh, Refuse to Be Done, which was a book about writing by this guy, Matt Bell, who Hmm. has written a couple of novels. I read his book Appleseed earlier this year, did not particularly like it, and... Perhaps unsurprisingly, I don't like his book about writing either. Right, and it's it's very much an MFA. I like the specifics of it. So it's it's he he does these three drafts, and like the first one, he calls an exploratory draft, and he doesn't really know what he's what the story is going to be. And then after the first draft, he does an outline, and then he rewrites it completely for draft two, and then draft three is like polishing, maybe basically. But each right. of these sounds like they take months, if not years in this process. Yeah, it sounds,
0: I mean, I kind of like that process, but it sounds, yeah, very, very, very labor intensive. Yeah. And
1: also I kind of have noticed like the, the, the predominant kind of MFA style of writing teaches you to, for one thing, like just, you know, shitty first drafts, just write down whatever you want, you know, like just get it out. Don't worry about editing. And then In the, in the revision part, it's like now cut half of the words in your, in your book. And like, it's like, what, what if you just thought a little bit longer about what you want to say, and then maybe you can make it easier for yourself later. Um, there's, yeah, it seems like a lot of extra work, I guess is my, my point. A lot of exploration. Yeah. I
0: mean, I do wonder, like everyone has their own like approach to it. Like I know that I, when I write, I tend to edit in sentence. Like I just like l- like labor over yeah. senses and then it takes me forever to write because I just stay staring at one sentence for an hour. I'm like, God, I hate this, and I hate myself. Yeah. <laughs> and so you can move on. Uh, so I and sometimes I wish I could do more of that, like just like dump it out and then try and refine it. But I mean, you're right; it's definitely it's going to be hard work to, to do that too.
1: Yeah, and I also think like there's there's a lot of that cutting kind of revision process, like in that book refuse to be done. Like it's called that because he's like at the end, he's like, no, like don't stop. Keep going back to it. Do a fifteenth draft. And then he's like, here's all, here's all the ways that I do this cutting. And it's almost always cutting. He's like, I start, I have, I write 300,000 words in the first draft and I have to cut it down to 120,000. It's like, good God. Like that's, it seems insane. And then he's like, I just cut everything that doesn't make this, the sentence stronger it's like cut all of the that words and all of the things like you know it's just it's it's for one thing it's exhausting and for another thing it's like like your prose doesn't have to be as short as it possibly can be you know like there's other things that you can be aiming for like one of which is clarity and sometimes If there's a slightly awkward phrasing or a slightly longer sentence, that can be more clear to a reader. And I feel like the MFA style
0: does not right. give a shit about the reader, you know? Uh, yeah, I think you're probably right. Yeah, it's more about, definitely more about the writer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Or it doesn't Or it doesn't know how and to that Like
0: a uh, Saunders has a version of that in the back of Swimming Upon the Rain where he talks about, like, writing, or I think he takes, like, a passage, try to cut the passages down by, a like, 100 words and try to cut another 70 words where it right. happens. But that's, like, I think smaller chunks, that makes more sense to me. Because there is, I think, some value in learning how to or seeing what you can do by reducing something and then expanding it again if you wanted to. But doing it on that larger scale seems almost like massive. Yeah. There's a
1: lot. I mean, there's also a lot that's kind of uh, a lot of exercises that were kind of arbitrary. Like one of them is just cut Hmm. the weakest sentence from every paragraph in your story. It's like how much fucking fluff is in your book if you can cut a sentence (laughs) from every paragraph and like it still makes any sense? Like That's (laughs) that's yeah. <laughs> it's like a quarter of your book. And it's arbitrary. Yeah. It's completely arbitrary. It's, a, it's like one sentence from every paragraph. It's like, okay. I don't right. know.
0: Like what would that yeah, I see what you're saying. Yeah. That's it's also just like I said, so foreign to my experience, like I would be lucky to have three hundred thousand words yeah. to deal with the first place that I feel like, Oh great, I got yeah. somewhere as opposed to like I'm gonna slash like writing that writing all that to think I'm gonna get rid of two thirds of this at some point to me is is wild, insane, uh, it's just totally. Different. Yeah. yeah,
1: it's also like I I feel like, like the way that I've started thinking about it is is when you're cutting, you're not you're not just hacking shit away. Like it seems like all of these MFA right. kind kind of style, this workshop style writing is 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 very focused on revision and cutting and cut in the prose level yeah. and the the like sentence level edits and it's I I, I've been thinking of it less as just like hacking you know a hedge or whatever and more as like you're trying to uncover a fossil in a rock and it's like you can cut away Mm. some stuff but you you're trying to get the fossil out you're not just cutting you know willy-nilly like you have to have some sense of what the fossil is that you're trying to display and not cut the fucking yeah. fossil. Like you have, you can cut the rock away around it. But if you just cut and cut and cut and cut, you're you're gonna
0: wind up ruining
1: the whole thing.
0: <laughs> yeah, it's like that Michelangelo thing of like you sculpt to like release the statue from right. the marble, not to like make it happen. It's like you have the thing in your head, which to me is you know obviously like in- impressive and would be if you get there creatively. That like sort of mindset would be amazing. I could never do that, but that's the, I think that's more. Of the ideal than just like, well, I've got a whole mountain sort of marble, right. and I'm going to throw most of it in the ocean. Right. <laughs> Why? It's like start with a smaller block. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. That's all I can remember, so. Is that I it? I don't know. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Rick, what are you? How's your memory?
2: Uh, better. <laughs> right. But also, I have my notes, because I've been moving, so I downloaded a bunch of audiobooks, hmm. which I... It's helped me get through a bunch of books. I, I, I just I, it's not the same as reading a book. I can't. It, it's it's mm-hmm. different in my brain. And and one of these will be a nice example of that. I think I still enjoy it, but it's just the difference between hearing a story and reading a story is like it's been a while since I listened to an audiobook, so I it's it's sort of front in my brain. But it's you mm. get so caught up on the sort of what's happening that it's it's hard to get pulled into the rest. But so I I have uh, a couple serious books and then um, a couple three sci-fi books which I guess are serious but they're like you know I think for the same reason probably a chunk of Nico's audiobooks mm-hmm. is, is fantasy stuff with the sci-fi ones you can kind of just like you don't need to pay that much attention so you like was doing other
1: There're definitely some huh? yeah some genres that yeah, some genres that lend themselves better to audiobooks yeah.
2: So I churned I, I through three sci-fi audiobooks, uh, one of which was like barely an audiobook, was basically a radio play, which I think is a little different, but they kind of grouped them together, at least on Audible. So I just barely, this morning, finished The Godmakers uh, by Frank Herbert, the guy that did Dune. Oh, yeah. It was all right. It's, a, it's like four linked stories linked around the main character. Hmm. I liked two of the stories quite a bit. The other two, I, I didn't. I thought were a little boring. And then it's kind of built around like the through line is this character's progression where like essentially he becomes, which is not, you know, kind of similar to what, um, whatever his name is, is in Dune. Like he sort of like awakens as this, as this supernatural, like Mm ubermensch like throughout the book. Um, so that's the kind of progression here. You can see the through lines to Dune. It's definitely not as good as Dune, which I've read. In fact, the first story is the best one. It's about, um, kind of making contact with this alien planet the what this guy does is he works for this kind of uh it's called the ia i don't remember what it stands for it's like this secret cabal of politicians and like it's like a what works kind mm-hmm. of international galaxy thing and they're like the the puppet masters behind the behind the scenes of like international politics to like decide which which races are welcomed into the galaxy and which ones are wiped out right. or whatever so it's, it's pretty good. Definitely worth it. And it was a pretty short audiobook. It's mm. like, I don't know, six hours because I listened to him a little faster. But And then this book, The Salvage Crew by a name I'm going to butcher, Yudin Jaya And then this one was, I ended up really liking it, but it was hard to get going. It like, because it's pretty hard sci-fi, lots of like computer talk. So it took a bit to get going, but it's narrated by an AI. Mm-hmm. And like the whole, the whole thing is, is sort of this, is, is the humanness of the AI. It's about this, it's a salvage crew. That's why it's called that. They go to this planet to like, you know, salvage stuff. And then there's other things going on. And they essentially um, encounter an alien life form. And so the whole thing is like feeling that out. And the the life form is like, basically the planet is the Uh, living consciousness thing. So it it ends up being really interesting (laughs) and really well done. There's one thing that really pissed me off about this book, which I think we'll do a separate episode is uh, for some reason, the author loved to just hide these nerdy little Easter eggs everywhere that had no bearing on anything besides being a wink to the reader. But like, Hey, yeah, we're nerds, you for know? Instance. Um, quite- so I'll, I'll sh- uh, like there's an area of the planet that's called Stardew Valley.
0: Okay. I can see. Yeah. <laughs> oh God. Uh, they, they talk <laughs> about, a uh,
2: <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of them, right? There's, he talks about this thing that happened, like this old spaceship that crashed, like, you know, in, in the early galactic days. And it was called Cuddy's Ark. Right? Because a guy was drunk, and it's like, well, that's the name of a whiskey. And it's like, it's like things like that, Cuddy Sark is a. Yeah. It's, it's just, it's, they're just, and they, they don't have any bearing on the story besides just like the, the, the guy was probably drinking some scotch when he wrote that chapter. And was like, this will be funny. Yeah. Or just uh, like, and then. And then <laughs> thinks is
0: clever and is not clever. Yeah.
2: No. So, um, it just will, reeks, uh,
1: that just reeks of, uh, self indulgence to me. It's yeah. like, I'm going to do all these stupid jokes that
2: I'm going to like. But nobody. I got else I right. got lots of thoughts on that, so we'll we'll, we'll save that for our Easter egg. Episode. Yeah, I
0: got I got one about those two for sure.
2: And then the last one, which is the one that's basically a radio play, is called "Impact Winter" by Travis Beacham.
1: Oh um, yeah, we tried to read that in the car.
2: Yeah, it was fine. It was not good. I
1: couldn't finish it.
2: And, and it was yeah, it's just like a really like, if it hadn't been five hours, I wouldn't have finished it mm. either. But I was in a moving truck and yeah. just let it go. So it's like a pretty straightforward vampire thing. I don't care for the radio play style. Yeah. Audiobooks.
0: Meaning like multiple casts, like sort of like dramatized with sound effects. Yeah. And
2: yeah. And like, yeah. And this one was to the point that except for a few parts in the very end, there wasn't even exposition. Oh wow. It was just, just dialogue, just, just yeah. dialogue, hmm. which is weird. Cause if that was presented to me as like a 20 minutes at a time podcast, I don't know if I would bristle at it as much mm-hmm. but but something about it when it's presented to me as a as a book it just annoys me. Yeah. yeah. And it's like I don't, I it's like you hear two people talking and it's like I don't want to wait and yeah. like hear cop, what's cop, going cop, on. Like like, it's like okay I get it they're yeah, walking. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so that was fine. You can go ahead yeah. and skip that one. Um, of those 3 the salvage crew was probably the most interesting it took a while to get in it reminded me a little of that book the martian mm. and how in like the the narrator the voice actor what the narrator whoever the
0: reader yeah the
2: reader what do what we is okay. called the Nar- reader? Nar- uh Na- narrator right well the, the narrator would be the like the voice in the text the person who's reading the, the text on the table yeah with the reader i think yeah okay well whatever we call that person uh was nathan <clears throat> oh yeah so you know he's he comes with that Sort of now, it's gonna feel like Serenity because I'm reading it voice. Yeah. But right. that's um, you know, it it was still. It was so you're still
0: saying boring. that because that was the one about, that was about an AI, right? So that okay. one, I was yep. hoping yep. that it was read in a robot voice, but you're saying it it wasn't. It would be funny if it no. was, though.
2: But it's like. <laughs> 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 I would have actually the Frank Herbert one would have worked in a, oh, yeah. in a in a nerd voice. The um, so the so for the Salvage the the AI was like the way it works was like. AIs are made by, like, downloading human brains. okay. So he was, like, his body died, but he, like, somehow donated his brain or, like, sold his body. And so the, like, basis of the personality for the computer was formerly a human. Gotcha. Uh, It it ends up getting into some, like, pretty interesting sci-fi stuff. (laughs) But it does, it took, like, a third of the book for me to, like like it right and then after that I, after that i really liked it gotcha so worth a shot and then some serious books one of which uh was audio was i read uh, how the world is passed by clint smith which is actually a book that um i probably won't talk too much about because i was hoping to invite marcos on Ooh. patreon listeners who listen to marcos's uh thing that he sent in like a year ago mentioned this book um, when he when he sent us stuff, so I'm hoping to have a little conversation with him. It nice. is, and the audiobook was narrated by the author, which oh, I you can't uh, say narrated.
0: Yeah, like. that's cool. Uh, and
2: what, <laughs> you're right. Read they by actually the, are. Well, I narrated, can in this case. Audible. This looks.
1: Yeah. Oh, really? Yeah, that's a little yeah. confusing, but I, I get it.
2: So it's read by the author, uh, Clint Smith, and what he does is uh, he picks six different like geographical locations, and then kind of like goes through the history of of racism in that area hmm. to sort of slowly build this picture of like the complexity of institu- institutionalized racism in America, hmm. really kind of beginning with this, with the slave tree. Right. So he goes through, uh, new Orleans, Monticello, New York city, uh, Senegal. I don't remember the other two. Um, it
0: says here bricks hometown. Wow. Okay. Never mind. <laughs> yeah. Well, look, it's
2: the <laughs> oldest summer <laughs> resort in America. So probably, and it, it's just super interesting. Hmm. he, He, the way, did you guys read How to Be an Anti-Racist by Ibram X. Kendi, either of you? Yeah. So the way he, similar to that book, um, the way he centers it around personal Mm -hmm. narrative and personal kind of experience without that, without it being a memoir, without it actually being about Mm -hmm. him. Clint Smith does a similar thing, which is just like a very good entry point. So he's always like, this is my experience and this is what I'm learning and I'm learning I'm learning with you as I go, but also I bring a different experience. It makes it very engaging, and it also because some of the people he talked to, you know, it's hard when he's talking. He's like, so one of the one of the places I don't remember where it was. It was in like in you know, one of the Carolinas, maybe that he goes to. It's this like Confederate Confederate soldier like museum like memorial, right? And it's the yeah, you know, it's like ninety percent of the tourists are white people that want to look at the stained glass windows, and then so he's like he's asking them these questions. Them being the curators or whatever, you know, and they're like North Carolina white lady housewives that probably haven't thought too critically. And they're like, there's this veneer of them like trying to have like the the Gentile mm. kind of polite answers without, without you know, they're, they're kind of like, uh, you know, given in the platitudes and whatever, but clearly haven't. And she's like trying to hide like the sons of the Confederate uh, flyers that are on the, on the table or whatever. So he's like asking her these pretty probing questions not from a um sort of like accusatory standpoint and then it, explaining how she sort of stumbles and waffles through her answer and like hmm. he does a very good job of describing her uncomfortability and not answering but not knowing how to answer or like getting to an answer that she realizes is kind of a shitty answer and then not knowing what to do with that realization um right. and the way the way he he kind of draws that is is really well done and it doesn't i think it must be really hard to do that and not like it doesn't like, it doesn't feel like his aim is to make that lady look shitty. Hmm. Right. I think if it like it, what he does is make that lady look like she hasn't been challenged and she needs to be right? right. by like, the country. And just the way he does it is just really, really good. It's a very engaging book, so I, I mm. strongly recommend it. Nice. Uh, then the other book, which I haven't read the audio book, it's an actual book uh, <laughs> with words written on paper, uh, which I haven't finished yet. But I'm about halfway through, but so far it's really good. Um, it's is in a similar vein. Um, I'm trying to educate myself more
0: mm.
2: about racial justice. Mm-hmm. It's called My Grandmother's Hands by, by Resmaa Menachem. Mm. And again, I'm only halfway through, but it's, it's really interesting. It's about how generational trauma can like affect people physiologically mm. and she talks about how like racism like lives in the body and about how uh systemic institutionalized racism has mm. like very real physical effects even even on babies mm. and I'm, I'm only halfway through so I, I can't say much more than that but it's, it's so far it's like super fascinating i mean i work so my profession is working with with traumatized children right. so it's um having that that connection kind of front and center has grabbed me yeah uh so um also recommend
0: awesome that. Cool, very good. A couple things over here. I am in the middle of reading a book called The Journalist yeah. and the Murderer by Janet Malcolm. Have you read that read that book before? Do you know of it? Janet Malcolm. So, uh, it's written about the Jeffrey McDonald murder case. So, Jeffrey McDonald was a like Green Beret doctor who was accused and convicted of killing his family okay. in like 1970. Like a really horrible crime. Uh, and then a journalist named Ed jo- Joe McGinnis sorry, basically joined his defense team as like a, almost like an embedded reporter essentially on the trial and covered like the case and covered sort of how his defense team, because a very high profile case covered how they were going to approach defending him and trying to exonerate him. Uh, and then he was convicted, and the book came out fatal vision. Huh. and it was a bestseller and it sort of revived his career as a writer. He'd had an early success with a book about Nixon. Kind of a similar approach where he embedded himself in the Nixon campaign (laughs) and sort of learned all their secrets, or how do you want to phrase that, Mm -hmm. and then wrote a book kind of exposing like how they they went about trying to win the campaign. And he had floundered after that, didn't have success, and then sort of had another kind of flourish with this book, Fatal Vision. But then McDonald sued him for fraud uh, years later because he alleged that McGinnis was pretending to be his friend and sort of presenting himself as a trusted advocate and sort of uh like colleague but like literally like his best friend and betrayed him and you know said these letters that he wrote to him that he thinks he was innocent and you know he was been railroaded by the justice system and there's no way people would have you know not understood he didn't get a fair trial but then the book is saying how he knew he was guilty how he came to believe that he was definitely guilty and that you know how do you confronting the idea of like being face-to-face with this like cold-blooded killer or whatever and so malcolm is another journalist she wrote for the new yorker uh and she is her the book is about her take on mcginnis and the fraud trial and how like the first line i don't have it on my hand right now but the first line is like essentially old journalists know oh if, if, if they're worth their medal, old journalists know that they're essentially like frauds like every journalist is like in, in, the, in the in the business of selling you horseshit and it's this like brutal takedown of journalism it's wild uh it's really good she's an excellent writer um but also like terrifying like i would i would be very uh sad to have janet <laughs> malcolm talk about me in my life because i would have to go kill myself afterwards um uh, she's like she's like just uh, assassin on this guy <laughs> what's interesting though is that as i'm reading about her she, a couple years before she wrote this book and before oh. the fraud trial, had been sued for libel by a subject that she had written about. And so it's like, obviously, it's in her mind of like journalistic ethics and like what counts as good journalism. And it almost feels like she got sued for libel. The case was decided. I don't think she won, but maybe it was like it was dropped or I can't remember the detail, but she didn't. It was like it was like she was right. It was just like oh, there wasn't enough evidence to prove that she was wrong. And it feels like she said, like, you want to see what bad journalism is? Here, look at this guy. Like, you think I'm bad? This guy is really fucked up. As if to exercise her own sort of, like, thoughts about what it meant to be accused of this journalistic crime. It's really good. It's very short. But, uh, yeah, it's awesome. I'm really enjoying it. And a couple comics here to talk about. Picked up this first issue called Step by Bloody Step. It's written by Cy Spurrier and drawn by uh, Matthias Bergara. And this is interesting because this is... um, a silent comic. There's no words. There's no dialogue. There's no captions. It's all just images, uh, which is a gimmick, obviously. Um, the art is gorgeous. Uh, you can see... Let me show my personal palace here. It's really pretty. It's a really engaging and interesting uh, looking comic. I just didn't like it. I just didn't care for the story. Um, and it, it, was, it was boring to me. Um, so it's about, like, you open it up and there's this, like, child being guarded or sort of protected by... of a large almost like iron giant looking creature um you can see like looks like a knight kind of and their adventure is then the knight protects the the kid and there's like you know various creatures and wolves and stuff like that and eventually you learn that inside the armored knight is a like version of the kid like a clone or something like that like some sort of like old slightly older version of the child so there's something going on with time wise whatever or who knows. But it also, like, when I got to the end, I was like, eh, I don't know. I don't nah. care. <laughs> like, it did. Like, none of it was interesting enough to me to, like, want to read the next issue. And it felt, and I, I like Seisberger's work. I've always, I've, or I've, I haven't read everything, but I've enjoyed what I've written, read of his stuff. And I was like, yeah, I just don't, hmm. nothing about this is gripping me at all. I just feel totally disinterested reading this. Another thing that I tried out and didn't succeed for me either was this comic, Bolero. It is written by Wyatt Kennedy and drawn by Luana Vecchio, or Vecchio. I'm not sure how you pronounce that. Um, this is sort of like a multiverse comic. It's about a woman who is in a relationship that goes sour. And then she's like, it's almost like a three-way relationship. Like she and her partner have a best friend who they're also very intimate with. And that person gets engaged and she gets depressed and ends up like meeting a cat who shows her like how to travel to the multiverse and to, like be happy. But you can only like jump between multiverses 57 times or whatever. I don't know. It's It it, it seems like the idea was like, we could do a comic where our character is in a Miyazaki film, and then is also in like a Mad yeah. Max film, and is also in a this yeah. film, and it's like, yeah, it almost feels like yeah. Ready Player One, but without with with like a relationship drama as the core of it.
1: Yeah, it sounds almost exactly like Dark Matter by Blake Crouch. That was a kind okay. of a big book that came out a little while ago, where the main character is. Like a scientist, I think in the in the mult in the universe that he's in, he's like a uh, a a uh, t- university professor. But he could have been like a scientist and developed this multiverse thing. Right. And another version of him comes in, tries to steal his wife, and then he like goes yeah. through the multiverses, and he has like thirty two tries or whatever, because each one takes a little fucking thing. And of course, yeah. he doesn't find her until the thirty second try, and it's just like. I don't know. Kathleen really liked it, but I fucking yep. hated it because I, I'm <laughs> partly just because I'm so sick of multiverses. It's like I'm done. I don't care. not not everything has to have a multiverse now. Like yeah, I don't know. It seems okay. so unoriginal.
0: Awful news for you about the future of culture. <laughs> <because laughs> it would be all multiverses <laughs> all the time. Yeah, yeah. This one suffered from. I mean, I like multiverse stuff, but this felt like a kind of like a I don't know, just like a dumb version of that it yeah. also plagued by really awful dialogue i feel like um modern comics modern writing period has been wounded or poisoned by bad tv writing and bad twitter writing i feel like people like people's social media profiles and their like tv consumption has led to just like really awful yeah um, crappy dialogue this stuff was full of that on the good side uh-huh. of things i read two volumes two more volumes of mobile suit gundam origin by Yoshikazu Yoshikazu uh, Yashiko. I'm not sure how that's, but that's close enough for me, I suppose. Awesome manga about uh, Gundam, the, the uh, series Mobile Suit Gundam, which I love. I watched the movies on Netflix recently because they kind of condensed the whole series into three movies. They're great and these books are great. They expanded everything and then, man, the art's incredible. They're really gorgeous and just like full of like really good war action. Like Gundam's whole thing is like, war is both like incredibly aesthetically Interesting and also like soul killing, um, and it's it does both of those yeah. things really well. Like you feel the, yeah. the hurt of it, and also it's like gorgeous to look at. It so seems the- like a
1: lot of mech, like yeah, anime, yeah. is is that like yeah. I watched e- Evangelion a while ago, yeah. Yeah. and that's it's like crushingly depressing, like cr- absolutely crushingly depressing. But it's also like oh, there's a big badass robot that like fights.
0: Yeah, it's like like teens. Yeah teens in charge of war teens who are running war in giant robots yeah. Mm-hmm. and yeah you're like this looks fucking awesome and yeah it's just like everything about it is sad and horrible yeah and you like see all these you can, I think you can perceive all these like scars of world war ii and especially mm-hmm. like massive destruction of nagasaki and hiroshima all over them yeah uh yeah great there's like i think there's like 15 volumes of this. Yep. i'll keep reading it uh the unfortunately they are like 30 bucks a pop so it becomes expensive <laughs> to finish the series at some point good lord and they read quickly like i read to these two in like basically one day apiece maybe two days apiece so it's like it's a lot but they're i mean they're gorgeous they're handsome volumes they're hardcover they're like they look really nice so it's like it'll be cool to have them eventually but yeah and then of course i'm reading all tom king things tom king i finally bit the bullet and uh signed up for tom king's patreon uh no sorry his substack rather we talked about Substack comics a while back and i had said that i was resistant to it because i just wanted to buy comics at the comic book store and not have to <clears> get them <throat> online uh but then Tom King put one out, and I was like, well, I read all Tom King's books anyway. I might as well go ahead and just subscribe. So I did it. And it's fine. I mean, I, the book is great. It's called Love Everlasting. It's yeah. his sort of examination of romance comics from the 50s. It does have a sort of multiverse component to it, but I'm, I'm enjoying it. <laughs> Sorry to go. The art's good. The art's <laughs> by Elsa Schertieri. She's awesome. What I'm really enjoying is that when you subscribe to the subs, they get, like, newsletters and stuff like that. So they kind of write mm-hmm. essays and the yeah. behind-the-scenes stuff. I'm really am enjoying that. He's released a couple of his scripts from his Rorschach series and from his Batman series. And so I've been kind of reading those two and seeing how he writes, which I'm enjoying Mm. as well. Yeah. So that's kind of, that's where I am with those things. Listeners, tell us about your reading experience. What are you reading these days? What's got you intrigued? Uh, What are you listening to in all forms? Audio, physical media, whatever it is. Uh, On Twitter at Yakbabies. You can also email us at yakbabiespodcast at gmail.com with all those thoughts and ideas. If you want more Yak Babies, which why wouldn't you, uh, go to patreon.com slash yakbabies for access to our bonus podcast. For $1 a month, that's all we're asking, you can get tons of stuff there including the first half of this episode which was lopped off and turned into a secret bonus for various reasons there's games there's bro bro conversations we did a draft we did a whole separate podcast called 101 ghost jokes ranked where we ranked ghost jokes and lost our fucking minds it's all fun and worth it for that dollar and then of course tinyurl.com shack where our merch lives you can get shirts probably underwear mugs posters with designs by brick that are all very funny and worth your dollars there. Until then, Yak Babies, yakking off.
2: The Yak Babies would like to thank all the loyal listeners, and especially their patrons, both past and present, including Michael, Bonnie, Sebastian, David, Roger, Kathleen, Bailey, Andrew, and William Howard Taft.